Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How are you guys going this morning? Excellent. Hey, so I'm going to boost a little bit because I'm, I'm probably going to struggle. In case those of you don't know, Beck and I were on a mission trip this week down south, and it was amazing, it was good fun. And it was also very tiring, and so, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, unfortunately, because this is going to go on podcast, can't share too much over the mic. But we can share stories over morning tea, and if we head up for lunch, we can uh, talk a bit more about it. But just so that you know, we are safe. Yeah. We are here. <laughs> and it was an amazing week. We saved some lives. Um, cool. Literally, not us personally, but our teams did. It's really good fun, and I hope that you guys can, some of you can be there with us next year. We definitely will be going back. I think Josh has already signed up to, to go to the Bali one next year as well. Follows on podcasts, there's a lot going on, so too bad. Be a part of Live Church. Come next Sunday. <laughs> um, and we come to the final week of our, our uncomfortable series, and I love this series. I know I say that every week, every time. It's like, I love this series. love it. And I think a big part of it is because we speak out of what God's been doing in our lives. And so it's been really real for us. And, uh, and, and at the same time, this series has gone over two months because there's been so much that we want to share. And it's also come across as at a time where we are preparing for 2018. How many of you know 2018 is only like a month and a week away? How many of you are freaked out by the thought that Christmas is in like four weeks? You can stay for five more days without carols, and then, um, who's got your tree out already? Yeah! Why? Yeah. Did you put it down? I don't know. I made some people I'll probably be one of those if we didn't have bone weapons going on. Just wait a It's a good tree. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we've been praying into 2018 as a leadership team, and uh, we, we, we shared a little bit about this last week. Last week, that overflowing life, that was simply amazing. Yeah. It feels like a year ago. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we did share that what God had put on our heart uh, is a phrase for 2018, and this phrase helps us to focus in, helps us to bring a little bit of direction as to what we think God is wanting to do in our church, and through that, also your lives individually. And so we have this phrase, and this phrase is beyond zero. And beyond zero uh, is, uh, is, is something that's been really, that has really captured my heart. In fact, the first time I heard about this whole concept of beyond zero was about a year ago. Maybe I went to a seminar where Christian psychologists were speaking, and his work is fantastic. He works in northern Iraq, with refugees. Wow. And so you can imagine the kind of people that he meets on a daily basis are people that have suffered extreme trauma. They've suffered displacement, they've suffered personal loss in many, many ways that maybe we can't even begin to imagine. Uh, but the thing that he was doing with the refugees was not simply getting them to a place where they're healed up from the trauma and what has taken place. In fact, he 
had been doing a lot of work on human thriving with these refugees. He was saying that psychology is often known to be about getting people to a point of zero. Now that is only a small part of what it means to work with people. And in fact, what he wanted to do was to bring these people beyond zero. And the things that they did was, uh, he, he shared with us some of the different things that have been seen through research that can activate human thriving, even amongst those who have suffered so much in their lives. And, and he shared it with us, and guess what? Most of those keys, if not all of those keys, can be found in something known as the ancient book of the Bible. Those keys to human thriving are not found in the brains of psychologists, are not found in the wisdom of the wisest person on the face of the planet. It is found rooted in the truth that is undeniable, the truth that is unshakable, and that is the Word of God. And so when I think about 2018, I think about the fact that quite often the church is seen like a hospital. It's seen like a place for people to find that healing and wholeness. And yes, we will love to do that. We will love to stand with you, to frame you, to teach, to, to walk through the difficult things that happen in our lives because it does happen. Lives sometimes suck. Am I allowed to say that? Nope. It sucks sometimes and things happen. And, and yes, there's a healing wholeness, but I also understand that many of us are doing okay. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. And I don't, I don't need a gospel that is just for me when I'm suffering. I need a gospel for me that activates the life that God has got in store for me. When we started this church, one of the verses that God put on our heart was in John 10 verse 10. And in a message version, it says this. Jesus came that he, we might have more and better life. Real and eternal life. And I, I, I don't think that God intended us to live at zero. I believe that God intends us to live beyond zero, into a place where we are thriving in our, in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. And that's what we've got in mind for us as a church, and for you as an individual. And, and, and we would love you to come along this journey with us. And, and if you're feeling like, no, you know what, I, I, I'm already beyond zero. I'm not, like, I'm not like a person who is living in a slum or anything. Let me just challenge you. Beyond Zero is not about getting into a place where you are living beyond the poverty line, which all of us are. Beyond Zero, take it as, what is your baseline right now in your life? Where are you at right now? Why not bring that as your zero and say, next year, I want to go beyond that. I want to go beyond one step, two steps, five steps. Maybe you, uh, Beyond Zero is about getting a Bible reading habit up, like Andre really needs it. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he can start reading the Bible every day. That'd be fantastic for him. He's going to go Beyond Zero. He's going to strive to get his prayers out of But maybe you're only reading a chapter a day, and maybe for you, Beyond Zero is reading the whole Bible again. Why not? Why not push yourself in an area? Maybe for you, baseline is that you're normally nice. But maybe next year, beyond zero, is that you're not just going to be nice, you're going to be helpful. Yeah. How, what is it that God can challenge you in? In, in, in areas, maybe you, you 
your stints right now, and you've got a nice big savings account, fantastic. You know how to be good to your money. But maybe next year is taking a step into generosity. Yeah. That's where thriving happens, when we go beyond the baseline, beyond zero. We're going to share about all sorts of different aspects of that. But because of where we are going next year, I, I want to finish off our uncomfortable series with what I believe is a very important message. And we want to go into Isaiah 40, verse 31. And Isaiah 40, 31, if you have been, how many of you grew up in Christian homes? Or, or maybe even Catholic homes? Many of you guys. Or, or if you've been in church for more than maybe 20 years, you probably at some stage had this verse as a memory verse. In fact, for me, growing up, we, my family had this, I think it was like, especially leather. I don't know what it was. But it was this brown. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> and it had this verse inscribed on it. And it says this, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. And on this thing in our house, uh, there was a picture of mountains and eagles. When you look at this verse, oh my gosh, how exciting is it? When I wait upon the Lord, I'm going to mount up wings like eagles. How many of you love the idea of being able to soar, being able to fly? <laughs> Great specimen of the aerodynamic bird. <laughs> and then we all love the idea of flying. And, and if you grew up in church, I remember that there was this season in our church's life where we would sing the song Eagle's Wings every single week. Yeah? It was, if it was not sung on Sunday, it was sung in small group. If it was not sung in small group, it would be sung at youth group. If it's not sung in youth group, it would be sung at kids' church. But if it's not at kids' church, it's definitely on a Sunday morning. We sang it every single week. How many of you know the song? Yeah. yeah. And the chorus goes, Come live in me, oh my love, take over. You need to be emotional when you sing it. Come live in me. Now, some of you know that And this is not just a Christian concept. In the secular world, we are R. Kelly's uh, a song, I Believe I Can Fly. Yeah? I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Woo! Sing. No, I don't know this. I'm I don't sing. You can get viciously involved and call later. <laughs> but the idea of flying, right, is is a human ambition to be able to soar, maybe not physically, some of you know flying, I don't really love flying, it's a bit scary for me now, and um, what was I going with that? <laughs> we love to, at the very least, the concept of flying is like you're getting above, yeah. above your situation, yeah. above yeah. what is going on. Yeah above what is weighing you down. You love to be able to fly. You love to be able to, to be in the slipstream of, of, of what is taking place and it, it brings you success, yeah? Flying and success and achievement seem to all kind of come hand in hand and, and we love the idea of flying. And it seems like God loves the idea of flying When we wait upon the Lord, we shall renew our strength and we will mount up wings like eagles. Recently though, I recognize something that is evident in not just my life, but I think in our culture. I recognize that we have this expectation 
that I'm going to call, I'm pointing it, you hear this elsewhere, make sure the person pays me royalties, because I, it took a long time to come up with this law. Seriously, intellectual property. And uh, I'm calling it the fly or die expectation. Fly or die. See, what I realize about human beings, especially in our Western culture, is that we exist in this expectation where we're either flying, and if we're not flying, we're dying. We don't like to talk about the in-between. Think about the last conversation you had with your colleague or your friend. You talk to them about how they got to school or how they got to work. No, 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 no. You only talk about it if an accident where death occurred, or you talk about it because there was absolutely no traffic you're expecting it. But it was normal everyday traffic, you don't talk about it. When you talk to new parents, they either talk about how their kid is an absolute angel, eats all the food, wakes up at the right times, poop at the allocated times, <laughs> three weeks old and they're already toilet trained. <laughs> you either have those parents that brag about how their kid's absolutely perfect, or you have the parents that talk about how their kid doesn't let them sleep. Teens every single day for months on end. It's like, what are you, a shark? Why do you have more teeth coming out of you? It's like never-ending pain. I'm not a parent, so I don't understand it. This feels like a long time. But no parent ever talks about, hey, my child's normal. Hmm. My child's just like every other child. Their child's always special. I talked to a good friend, pastor of another church, and he was like, I know every parent says this, but my child's so special. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, he is. <laughs> my child's going to be more special. <laughs> supposed to be, if I'm not above this circumstance, then maybe I'm not doing very good at all. And I've recognized this in my life. And, and it's kind of interesting. Let me just share with you a story from, from uh, quite a long time ago. I've been a museum in the church, uh, setting for a long time, and, and learned all sorts of instruments, played all sorts of instruments in the church. And, um, and so uh, some people started calling me a super museum, and I didn't like it. And I didn't like it because I thought that I wasn't a super user. I thought that I was a person that worked really hard at my craft. And if you know my background in, in, in piano and all of that, I had spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours, spent a lot of money. My parents spent a lot of money. And I worked so hard. And I thought that when the person said, that you're a super muso. They took it like I was this naturally talented person that didn't need to work hard. And they were comparing themselves to me, and they're like, I'm working so hard and I'm getting nowhere, and look at you, super muso. And I was like, no! I'm like you, except I've probably spent more time on this craft than you have so far. I mean, I started at age four, learning piano, so I've already dropped a lot of years under my belt, and I've been working damn hard, so don't just say this is natural for me, because I work so hard at it. Yeah. Anyone feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. You compare yourself to someone else that seems to just be able to do things just like that, and you're like, man, why do I have to work so hard? 
And now there's a bit of my fly night attitude. I'm even naturally gifted so that God has allowed me to be this super achiever. Or I am this nothing person that is just grinding away at life. And I've, I've wanted to give up on music many times. Because I thought, I'm not as talented as that person. I'm not flying like that person. And, and, and I'm not gifted like that person. And it took me many years to understand that I am a supermuter. And I've got nothing against saying it now because being a supermuter means that I have worked the grind in order to get to that place. Mm. But many of us need to go through this mindset shift where being sorry, like to get to that place of flying, is not just God takes you there overnight. We do need to go through certain things and certain levels. And, and this was a far more dangerous for me over the last couple of years uh, because uh, when Becky and I planted this church, we, we, we were considered the most qualified of any uh, church plant or harvest net at that point because we have been campus pastors for about four or five years. They're taking the campus from a place of real trouble to a place where it was 150 on a Sunday morning. There's a youth group that, that was off the ground. And, and so it was doing well. And so I thought, you know what? With this whole idea of being a startup church, it's going to be the, the new kid on the block and it's going to be exciting. I literally had this expectation that our church was going to double every year for the first three years. That was my expectation because that was what was supposed to happen. I'm gifted, and people were saying that we were gifted, and so if I'm gifted, then this thing's supposed to explode. I don't know, if you've been around church circles, one funny thing about church circles is that explosions are good. You always go, like you, you go to a pastor and say, how's, how's church going? Oh man, it's exploding, hey. It's so amazing. If you go to any other person, how's your business going? Explode it. Oh my gosh, have you got insurance? Oh, but churches is okay. You can explode all you want. But um, it was this, this crazy thing where, where I expected this explosive growth to take place in our church. And so, first, the, the first full year that we had last year, 2016, we grew by six, uh, 58%. 58%. And our, our Stronger 17, which is our hashtag for this year, our direction, um, we grew by a whopping 10%. It's a far cry from the 100% that I wanted. And in the midst of all of that, let me just say, I'm okay. Because every time I speak like that, people say, I'm not disappointed. I'm sharing my growth. I'm sharing the mindset shift that God has brought me through. And he has kind of brought me through Probably every now and then insecurities flare up. I'll explain that a bit later. But uh, you know, in the midst of all of that stuff that is going on, I remember saying this prayer to God. Not exact words, but the, uh, I said these kinds of prayers many times. And the prayer went something like this: God, everything that I've seen so far, I've managed to do. I haven't seen you come through for me yet. Because when you come, I know that there would be that explosion of growth. That is something that I can't handle or, or, or produce in and of myself. And because that hasn't happened, what are you waiting for? Who said that kind of prayer before? Yeah, yeah. 
You know, like God right now, my, my kid is an absolute terror, and I've been doing my best to contain the devil that is within me. <laughs> so why don't you come right now, God, and take the devil out? <laughs> and until you do, I don't think that you're in this situation. Maybe he's even more personal where it's a personal struggle, or a, an area of addiction, maybe. Maybe a personal sickness, but it's like, God, until you come through, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Why are you not answering me? Why are you not here? And I realized that I had a fly or die perspective going on in my life. Because God hadn't brought about the explosive growth that I was waiting for, I wasn't doing well. It took a little bit of shifting and changing. And in fact, the lesson that I learned last year was that any growth is God's growth. Any growth that we've seen as a church is not down to my abilities, it's not down to my talents, it's down to my obedience and what God's wanting to do. I'm not that special, I'm not able to make any of you guys any more Christian than you already are. I'm simply the mouthpiece of God, and I'm simply doing what God's called me to do, and that's all I can do. And so God slapped me around a little bit last year, and, and then and then He lifted me up because you know that churches grow on an average at seven percent a year, and so this year we're already ahead of the curve. We're already doing better uh, than the average, and. So why am I expecting explosion to be the norm for my life? But then I look at Isaiah 40, 31, and I'm like, well, then I'm waiting, God, for those eagle's wings moments. But here came a challenge for me when I realized that Jewish poetry, which that does what it is, is actually flipped around. Uh, no, no, sorry, let me just say that. It's, it's, the way that is, uh, Jewish poetry works is that every line builds on a previous concept, and it is a higher concept. So when you look at Isaiah 40, 31, it says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up wings like eagles. That's actually the lowest level of what takes place when you wait upon the Lord. To build upon that, you will run and not grow weary. Running and not growing weary is better than, is the higher purpose God wants to achieve than to get you flying. But more than running, you already get this, you already know this, you know where I'm going with this. Walking is the ultimate goal that God has for your life. Walking is, let me say that again, walking is the ultimate goal that God has for your life. Walking is what God intends for you today, tomorrow, and forever. And we don't get that because we have this fly or die perspective. If I'm not flying, then I'm dying. No one talks to you about walking. No one talks to you about the mundane grind that you go through on a day-to-day basis. Everyone tells you about the explosive growth or the explosion of your life where you're just so low and so broken that no one wants to touch you. And so you're living out as though you're either always achieving or you're always at the bottom of the pit. And especially young people, if I can talk to you for a moment, your life is not always about the highs and it's not always about the lows. It often is about where you are going and whether you're taking steps forward or not. Your walk is the ultimate aim that God has for your life. And this is such an important thing that we need to get because we're talking about thriving in 2018. We're talking about going beyond 
zero, but going beyond zero is not going to be equals these moments every single moment of every single day. If I were to give a numerical value over the course of this year, I've had Eagles Wings moments for maybe 1% of the year, maybe less, 1%. And Eagles Wings moments are great because you do nothing to deserve it. You're doing nothing to make it happen. It is the wings of God that comes and you are right there in the right space at the right moment and God lifts you up and you are absolutely soaring. Over the last week, over this mission trip that Beck and I did, it was amazing how God brought about so many Eagle's Wings moments where, where people were ushered into the right space at the right time and brought an intervention that saved a person's life. It was fantastic. It was amazing, but it was a percentage of what took place last week. And then if we were to go to running, I'm probably running for maybe... Let's make it a nice number, 19% of the year, where, where I'm actually putting in a little bit more effort, and I believe that something is about to take place, and so I run. I put in more effort, I bring in more focus into my life, and I'm gone for it. Last, The whole of last week was a run for me. It was a lot of energy, and it was really funny. I've already told a few people, when we got back on Friday afternoon, and we weren't that tired at all. We were like, yeah, pump, fantastic. Drive up, stop the car, turn the engine off. Every little bit of energy left my body. <laughs> Seriously. Because the grace to run had finished yeah, off for that little right. season. Yeah. It's 20, the late 19, 20% of your life per year might be running. But that leaves a great 80% of your year walking. Yeah. One step in front of the next. Nothing spectacular, nothing to show for it. No one wants to know about your everyday walk. Everyone only wants to know about your high highs and your low lows. No one cares about whether you manage to put one foot in front of the other foot, but God does. Because yeah. God knows that that is the ultimate, that He's getting you moving in a direction that is sustainable. Yeah. He's getting you to keep going, even in the midst of trials and, and tribulations and things that are going on. I'm still putting one foot in front of the next. I'm still going somewhere. You know that your walk is so precious that your enemy wants to stop you from walking. Your enemy doesn't take you out when you're flying. Because God's carrying you, and it's amazing. Mm. The enemy finds it hard to stop you when you are running because you've got a direction, you've got a focus, you know where you're going. Over the last week, the enemy couldn't even talk to me because I wasn't even listening to him. You know when it's the most vulnerable point in our lives is when we are walking. Is when we are on our everyday journey in life. See what happens in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, this is what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever it does prospers. I want to be the person that whatever I'm doing prospers. But look at what happens in the first couple of verses. It says, blessed the one who does not walk in step. And then it says, stand in the way. And then it says, sit. Again, that's the Jewish progression thing. That is what the enemy wants to do. If I can borrow you, Josh, for a second. 
See, what happens is that when, let's say, we are walking from there to there. I'm a bad person because Josh is such a great guy. <laughs> and what happens is that Josh wants to get there. That's where God wants to take him. When we are walking, I can just slowly just take him step by step off course. And it's kind of easy. We're just walking in step with the wicked. I'm the wicked. Just remember that. <laughs> and, and we're just walking off course. And then suddenly Josh is like, where was I supposed to be going? It's easier for me to derail him. Thanks, Josh. And, and, and to cool him off course, it would have been a bit easier if he was supposed to go out there and be with us. And I was like, we're going to walk right through Sandy and it wasn't going to work. But you get what I mean? It's, it's just a little subtle shifts. And what happens? I love this. This doesn't happen in isolation. Watch the people in your life as you try to walk in the direction that God has set you up for. You will notice that there are great people that are cheering you on, saying, go for it. That's where I can see God moving in your life. You should keep going. But then there are going to be a whole bunch of other people that say, maybe God said there. Or maybe God said a little bit further. Who have you got in your life that is speaking to you? Are they saying, go for it, mate. Keep walking. Keep going. You've got God with you. You can go through this. You can make it through. Or do you have people around you saying, really? Is that what you should be doing? Why not have a bit more fun? Why not have a little bit of alcohol? Why not have a little bit of this? Why not have a little bit of that? Where are you going in your life? Who is walking with you? Because the enemy brings these people in. Influences in your life that don't necessarily completely derail you. They just put you a little bit off course. And what happens if you walk there long enough, you lose sight of where you're supposed to be going and you start standing. You just stop moving. All momentum in your life is lost. But even worse than that, it says, sit in the seat of mockers. You've stopped walking and now you're seated down. It's interesting the kind of people that you get around when you stop moving and you start sitting. You get mockers. You know what mockers are? Other people who have stopped walking. And they don't understand that the walk is precious. They don't understand that the walk is what God is wanting for your life. All they get is how to laugh at other people for putting in so much effort but haven't got anywhere yet. You know such people? I do. They sit there and they judge others. Oh, you're still going. You're still believing for God. Don't you realize God's pipe dream wine hasn't been coming for you yet? He hasn't healed you yet. He hasn't brought that breakthrough yet. Maybe God doesn't like you. They're mocking the whole way. I think there's another progression. I think there's some people who are lying in the grave of lifelessness. And maybe that's you. You stop walking. You started sitting. You started mocking other people. And then maybe one day you just discovered that you've got no energy to do anything in your life. You'd rather just be laid out and stop. Stop hoping, stop dreaming, stop moving, stop breathing. The walk is precious because it keeps you moving. The walk is precious because it's sustainable. The walk is precious because you can do it. See, the thing about walking is that it takes so little effort that you can keep going. One of the things that I did in my army days, I was a scout, and one of the final exercises we did was called the long walk. And we walked from 4 p.m. one night 
one evening all the way until 6 a.m. the next day, with 25 kilos on our back. If we were meant to run that, I would have caved after two minutes. <coughs> we went for 14 hours because we were walking. We covered the distance we needed to, not because we were running, but because we were walking. There's something about your walk that you need to protect. There's something about your walk that God has got for you. And when God speaks to you, it's kind of interesting because quite often people stop walking, they actually are looking to the past. They're no longer with a view of where they're supposed to be going, they're, they're, they're turned somewhere else. When you find a person that stopped walking, they, 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 they're actually in that place of like, well, I tried. I've tried, but it doesn't work. I've tried that stuff. I've tried that God stuff. I've tried that Jesus stuff. I've tried that prayer stuff. I've tried that phrase stuff. I've tried that faith stuff, but none of it works. Well, it doesn't work because you stopped. It doesn't work because you were so close to that place. I love the story of Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land. He leads them to the very place where they would start their base of operations to take over the whole promised land. And in front of them stood a fortress called Jericho. And Jericho was a massive fortress. It was an insurmountable obstacle in front of them. And what did God tell them to do? To walk. They simply walked. For six days, they walked one round around the fortress. And on the seventh day, they walked seven times around it. Can you imagine what would have happened if on the fifth day, because they didn't know exactly how things were going to work out. Maybe they were expecting some progress along the way. Maybe they were expecting maybe some rocks to start falling off or some random enemies to fall off balance and, and, and die or, or some, like any sign of progress. But they were just walking. One time, next day, another time. On the third day, I reckon on the third day, it's always on the middle, it's hump day. And, and they, they started going, stuff this. God's not doing anything. Imagine the Israelites stopped on that third day. That breakthrough would never have happened. They wouldn't have had that, that, that foothold in the promised land. They wouldn't have taken the land if that stopped walking. Mm-hmm. And this is what I, I feel God putting on my heart. The next year is not about soaring. It's not even about running. It's about your walk. Mm-hmm. It's about one foot in front of the next. Knowing that God blesses the walk. Mm-hmm. So interesting that it says that the person in Psalm chapter 1, it says that the person who meditates on the Lord day and night. It's a mundane thing. person is just simply watching their step. That's what meditating on the law is about. It's about watching your step. Am I stepping in the will of God or am I not? And as they watch their step, it says this, whatever they do prospers. Whatever I do prospers. Every single step it's a step of prosperity, even though it doesn't look like it in my circumstance, even though it doesn't look like it in my situation, whatever I'm doing is prospering because God looks at my walk and he says, keep going. 
Watch what it says. Whatever they do prospers, but it also says that they yield fruit, not every day, only in season. We've got to differentiate my prosperity from my fruitfulness. My prosperity is about me, knowing that God is on my side in the middle of my walk, even though situations are coming against me and are standing in my way. My God is still for me, and therefore nothing can come against me. But fruitfulness is different. Fruitfulness is a seasonal thing, and it comes at the right time in the right way. Do not mistake your prosperity for your fruitfulness. So many people have done that, and that's why they've stopped their walk. They turn away from putting one foot in front of the other foot because they, they mistook their lack of fruitfulness for their lack of prosperity. Where are you at today? Where are you at? Have you given up on the walk? This is not a flashy message. This is not, a, a, this is not maybe even that encouraging to you. This is like, how much longer am I going to walk? Well, 80% of your life. Most of your days are just walking. My house hasn't sold yet. I don't want to clean it anymore. But I don't want to do the walk. And God has promised us a significant church that is going to be gone beyond these places. And speaking of, it hasn't happened yet. I still turn up on a Sunday. I still turn up every single day of the week praying for this church, loving this church, continuing to do the things that I can do. See, the walk is controllable by you. God controls the flight. I control the walk. I'm ready for the flight times. I love the flight times. We all want those flight times. But flight times come after you've been faithful with your walk. I believe that some people are going to find next year a challenge. I believe some of you are in the midst of a challenge. And in the midst of that challenge, you're like, where's God? God's right there. He hasn't left. He's faithful. He's there. He gives you strength, grace, mercy. <clears throat> Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness doesn't just follow me when I'm blind. Goodness follows me while I'm running. And goodness always follows me while I'm walking. We can get the band up this morning. I know I haven't given you any real practicals. Because I believe there's one thing I've noticed about the walk is that everyone's got their own walk. Have you noticed that when you stand behind a person, even though you can't even make up who they are, you can kind of still work out who they are from their walk? I know there's some people who's like, heels down. <laughs> some people who are like, straight legs. <coughs> some people who are going to swag. Everyone's got to have a walk. I can't tell you how to walk because God's got you on your walk. Mm. It's an individual walk, it's a unique walk. If I tell you what to do, you're going to try to be like me doesn't work. Yeah. I'm me and you're you. And so I'm not even going to tell you that your walk means that you should be reading your Bible for three hours a day or praying for 20 minutes or, or whatever it is, but why not watch your walk? Why not have some time and, and, and meditate on what God is saying? And that's why we had an overflow night last week to give you an opportunity to, 
you get that sense of this is where I'm supposed to be going. Mm. So that in the midst of difficult times next year, you're still planting one foot in front of the next. Even though the breakthrough hasn't happened yet, I'm going to be faithful in my walk. I'm not going to give up mm. on God because he's got me going somewhere and the breakthrough will come in due course, in due season. I will bear fruit in season and right now, even though I'm not sensing it, I'm not feeling it, I know that I'm prosperous because God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? Come on. When these kind of thoughts about fly or die kills you. Kills you. I'm so glad that God got me before I got into that full space of being like, oh God, you've left me alone. You've not really called me to be a pastor. I'm glad God got me. He showed me my walk. So I walk. It's not glamorous. Mm. You want to know what my days are like? It's walking. Being faithful. Mm. Putting up blog posts that no one reads. It's making sure the podcast gets up at a certain time of the day. It's about giving you updates that no one reads. It's about sending text messages to people who are not even here. They don't even care about me. Mm-hmm. Maybe even hate me. That's my walk. And I'm okay with it. Whatever I'm doing is prospering. Not everything I do bears fruit right now in this season. I know that. I'm waiting for a season of fruitfulness to come. I know it's coming, but right now I'm still prosperous. Because I'm being obedient to God. Being obedient to my walk. Maybe for some of you, your walk is actually about inviting Jesus into your life. Maybe you've held away from Jesus because you're kind of like, what's it going to look like? Am I going to be amazing tomorrow? Am I, or are you going to get me to speak like Nate tomorrow? Or no, your walk is individual. Your walk is different from mine. Mm. Let me tell you, the walk is tiring without God. The walk is tiring without Jesus. The walk is tiring without me accessing the grace that He's made available to me. At some point, at some day, you're going to want to give up. Unless you've gone to your side. Because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up wings like eagles, they shall run. Not grow weary, they shall walk. And not grow tired. So this morning, I want to introduce you to Jesus. See, the thing about Jesus is that he knew that I wasn't on a very good he knew that all of us went on very good He could see our lives before it even happened. And he knew that the walks that we were on were heading towards destruction. But in the midst of that, he said, you know what, I'm going to redeem that. And so Jesus came to earth, died on the cross in my place, redeemed my life, so that he could set me on a walk that leads to leads to meaning, leads to purpose. So I've, I've accepted Jesus into my life because without Jesus, I'm nothing. But maybe for you this morning, you, you haven't really heard about this Jesus yet, and or, or maybe you've heard about him, but you weren't ready to commit. Or maybe that's the next step in your journey. And if that is so, I would like to lead you into a prayer. And all of us are going to say it together. We're not going to single you out. We're going to say this prayer together. We're going to invite Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior.
So I can get every person to close their eyes and bow their heads for just a moment. If you would like to accept Jesus in your life, just declare this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I know that I have sinned. I know that I have fallen short. But I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.